0: Happy Mother's Day, friends. Today, I'm introducing you to one of my very best friends. She is sharing her story through miscarriage, motherhood, and a present God that was with her through every aspect of her story. This conversation was such a blessing for me, and I hope that it blesses you today on this Mother's Day. You're listening to For Eternity and Until where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori May Hine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. I have the incredible privilege of introducing you to one of my very, very best friends. Erica Bain in the house.
1: (laughs) So excited.
0: (laughs) Erica was in my wedding. I was in her wedding. Let's just, let's rehash for a moment. The first moments of us encountering one another in the Bible college that we went to, it was literally like little cells, small little rooms, three sets of bunk beds in this small space. Like I'm not even kidding you. Like 200 square feet worth of space. Would you yeah. say like it's probably yeah. about that small?
1: In each other's face. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah.
0: So in each other's grill for yeah. every day, day in day out, the moment that you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, we had three sets of bunk beds, two little mini bathrooms, and so I'm you know bringing in all of my boxes, and there's Erica just <laughs> sitting on the floor so artsy. She's like, I'm not even, I'm not even unpacking my bags yet. I'm just going to take out my guitar and just it's
1: I have jam one a little bag.
0: bit, <laughs> which is also very true to who you are. You're like, I didn't pack anything. I'm just going to use everybody else's stuff. I have two shirts, two pairs of pants and my guitar. We're good. That's <laughs> all you need.
1: That's all you need. <laughs>
0: It truly is. It's, it's all you need from that moment on. I remember you were doing like a little lick on your guitar and I was like, wow, could you teach me how to do that? How do you do that?
1: Yeah. And I remember you coming in wearing the coolest fedora. I'm pretty sure like a straw fedora, like a straw hat one, you know,
0: (laughs) you were wearing a white, white shirt and, and jeans. That's just what you always wore. And it's still what it you always what wear, always basically. Wear. <laughs> yeah, You've stayed the yeah. same. There was something mentally that shifted in my mind that I knew that I could go to Bible college and that nobody would know what I normally dressed like. And I wore some pretty weird you wore things.
1: Some pretty. I thought at the time I thought, I mean, I still think it's cool. I remember you getting dressed and putting together this like funky outfit. And I'd be like, if I put that funky outfit on, I would not look like that. Like you'd have these like super colorful, like large so colorful. grandma shirts and then you'd belt it and you put on some yeah. cool. And I had never
0: spent more than 50 cents on a piece of clothing. I would like dig oh, yeah. through the thrift stores.
1: you come back good from times. Goodwill with good some days. like, yeah, some great finds. And I would be like some
0: grandma curtains that I was like, it's a dress because yeah. I said so.
1: <laughs> I just cut some holes in it and I put it on. It turned into a dress. I put a
0: belt around it. And now it's yeah. a dress. It would yep. be amazing. We had some, we had some good times. I also remember because we, you know, there's, it was a really small school. So Eric and I were roommates and we'd spend all of our time on in the coffee shop studying or reading or Facebook yeah. had just begun, become, become a thing. Pinterest had yeah. just become a thing. So we would, you know, kind of back in the days before I had a smartphone just sit and hang out with friends in real life. No, <laughs> there was not Instagram. I did not get, I did not have an Instagram until the year that I was married. So like 2011 and we were in college before then, cause we're so old over a decade ago. 12 years ago, I wanted Erica to come on and share a little bit about her story. She's been through quite a lot in the last few years and has a really unique perspective and has gone through things that I personally haven't for her health and, and her family and spiritually that I'm watching many of the people who are listeners for the podcast or friends that are just connected in various circles of life navigating through and I was honored to watch her walk through suffering and walk through suffering well and for the glory of God. And if you guys are a part of the podcast community, so you understand the, the vision behind what we're doing in, in helping to empower and equip women to live their lives for eternity in every moment until they get there. And so when you're walking with a friend through, college and then engagement and marriage and pregnancy and the loss of pregnancy and uh pregnancy and delivery and then the first year of your child's life birthed into a pandemic like i'm summarizing for you yeah you know within a couple of sentences of the last few years of my dear friend's life start by just sharing what's the cliff notes version of your story you know, prior to even meeting me in Bible college, 12 years ago, tell us about you.
1: Yeah. So currently I live in, I'll say Vancouver, but I live in Pit Meadows, which is like 45 minutes outside of the city. And I've lived here uh, since I was in grade eight. So I moved here in high school. But before that, I grew up um, as a pastor's kid, so and a missionary's kid. So, I was born in Canada, and we lived in um, Washington State for a couple years, and then we moved to England for a couple years, and I was a missionary there with my with my parents, and then um, yeah, we moved back. Like I said, in grade eight, and I went through my high school years here and then California for college. And so, um, I think I've lived be- before I moved here, I had lived in 13 homes. So lots of transition constantly. Um, yeah. Constantly, um, feeling settled and then moving right away. And yeah, so, uh, went to college and then, um, married my quote unquote high school sweetheart (laughs) we met in high school but we never dated in high school that's a whole other story yeah dated for like four years so quite a long time and then got married and now I have a little baby well he's not little anymore he's not little anymore it's crazy and yeah we're just my husband's a a teacher and I work at a bible college uh, when I'm not at home mom right now And Mm -hmm. yeah. So then we find myself here. There's lots of stories in that, but that's kind of like what I've, what I've been
0: doing. And so in your life and in your story, there's so much transition. It's almost like that's a real part of the fabric of who you are. You learned when you showed up at Bible college with only one bag, it was because (laughs) you lived your whole life living out of (laughs) one bag. Like we're gonna live in multiple countries and I'm just I'm going wherever God is transitioning me and all I need is my white t-shirt and my jeans and you know a good cup of coffee and we're solid, right?
1: Yeah um,
0: But in that though, there's also this the I've seen the cycles in your life where through each transition, although there have been many in your life, there's always a deep internal heart shift that has happened and that God is working in the midst of each of these transitions. And uh, motherhood was definitely one of those <laughs> for sure. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> circle back for me because when you first got married and you, every time that we would get together and we would be able to talk about things that were going on, it, the topic of do I even want to be a mother always ended up surfacing as something that you wanted to process. Talk to me about that transition.
1: I think it had a lot to do with a bigger picture of me trying to figure out where my identity comes from. So in that same season, I'm newly married and I'm like in and out of different colleges. You know, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that jobs, quitting, getting fired. And I'm just like trying to process like, who am I? And a lot of it I felt was like, it's what I do. And motherhood was foreign and scary. And the culture of motherhood, I didn't understand it. And I just didn't want that to define me. And so my question came out, well, then I don't want to do it. Or I don't know if I want to do it if that's what defines me and it was a real process of recognizing that it doesn't define me <laughs> and the only way it's I an kind important of, thing to know <laughs> yeah it is when I guess I came around to um, deciding to be a mom I mean in saying all this I really want to recognize that there is moms that or women that can't be moms you know or women that choose not to be moms in yeah. the end you know that for whatever yeah. reason that's That's a process they come to. So when I say, when I decided to be a mom, it's when I came to the understanding that that was a calling in my life and it was something that I should move forward in. It's when I realized that it literally has nothing to, does not define me. It's not who I am. You know, it's a calling and it's something that God had placed on my life from a very early age. I made a lot of decisions without meaning to thinking, oh, that won't fit into being a mom. No, I want my kids to fit into this. Even though at the same time, I was like, I don't want to be a mom. (laughs) It was very confusing. (laughs) I'm sure you got the other end of those conversations.
0: I have this vivid memory, even of you and I at Bible college, uh, we had a day off and we were sitting by the pool. And I remember looking at you and think and saying something along the lines of, do you, realize that our moms probably just sat by the pool like this before they were moms like (laughs) i was having this full revelation of the fact that my mom was not just my mom i've only ever known her as that role because i made her that Yeah. (laughs) yeah you know but for each of us as women transitioning into the responsibility of being a mother that's a high, high, high calling, and not one that can be taken lightly. And I saw you navigate through those questions, and even coming to the piece of saying, "Because how much control do we really have around not- that?" Not a ton, you know. It's like, okay, <laughs> I am—we we decide, you know. You see so many yeah. women that are like warring for for pregnancies right now, and and warring to become a mother. And I just want to encourage you for any of you guys that are out there and listening, where you have this deep desire to be a mom or you're not really sure, trust the story that God is unfolding for your life and trust that life and death is authored by God. And it happens usually simultaneously. If you're walking into motherhood, if you're pregnant, or if you're going to be a mom, there is this this holy exchange where there's always a little bit of a death to us to be able to facilitate life for another, which we're gonna get to that, Erica. This is the like segue into the next part of your story. But that doesn't mean that the death in us means that our identity completely is removed when we walk into the role as a response, like the responsibility and the calling of motherhood. We very much have to still keep ourselves intact and identify first and foremost as who we are before God apart from motherhood so that we're not reflecting our worth onto our children. I mean, I was talking with a few moms from church last week they were struggling and frustrated. We were totally having this conversation, you know, oh, I became a mom and I feel like I just completely lost myself in the process. You were almost like grieving that before you ever decided that you wanted to become a mom. You're like, I need to process this for like four years. Yeah. So, then, yeah. so when I do become a mom, I've like, I have processed it. I'm ready to like fully be here, but yeah. I, I know I did not process that. I processed it after I was a mom and grieved yeah. it after I was a mom and processed it out. But I said, you know, there's an interesting thing that happens when we don't process that grief. And when we don't process the responsibility that comes with motherhood Because when we have a misplaced identity, there is a belief problem and it changes the way that we behave. It changes who we become. It changes how we behold God and how we look at ourselves. When you have a misplaced identity in the midst of motherhood, it's super easy to then put that misplaced identity onto your children and how your child then performs or what percentile is he in and you know does he have uh allergies or does he yeah. read good by the age of the time yeah. that he is supposed to do these Roster-y, things somehow yeah. reflects on us as mothers Which is, I mean, honestly, just ridiculous. Anytime that you see a pattern happen like that, stop and recognize you have a misplaced identity. Place that identity back into the hands of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's going to author and perfect your faith. And then ask him, give me wisdom for the next thing that I need to do in the process of the whole unfolding lifelong calling of motherhood and parenting. I
1: just think it's something too that as mothers, it's so easy to get like into those weeds, you know? And it's so easy to to project that on other mothers too. I think, um, I've learned in this season that like, I, I'm trying to champion other moms and point them back to their identity being in Christ, you know, and, and back Mm -hmm. to their, who like, there's so much that makes you, you, you know, and whether your kid, how they thrive or what they look like or how they dress, like all of that is just, it doesn't it doesn't matter it falls to the wayside and there's mm-hmm. a, a huge burden and pressure that's released off your back when you decide or when you walk walk forward and say this does not define me you know it's just a part of me it's a part of the story god has for me it's a building yes. block in so many other things so i just think yeah. it's you have to do that for yourself and then once you figure figure that out or once you come to a comfortable place of that with yourself, do that for others as well. I think it's important Mm -hmm. to do it for others because we all, we all, it takes a village. I keep saying takes a village, you know, (laughs) really
0: does take a village (laughs) and we need the other mom on the other side of the table or on the other side of a FaceTime call to say, yeah, you're doing an amazing job. Yeah. This, this is uh, my grandma would always say this too shall pass. I'm like, I hate that. Okay, but it's true. It does. It's true. It passes, true. and then the season passes, and then and then you learn the lessons, and you look back and you reflect, and you recognize what you what you learned, so that in the next season, when you're in the midst of another, you know, earth shattering moment, it really we you say that, and it's. It could be the smallest thing, like my kid can't breastfeed or the biggest thing, like my child grew up and now I'm struggling in my relationship with them. We don't have a relationship, you know, it's sacred ground before God and Mm -hmm. needs. We, when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And when he says, I care for you and I will equip you and I will enable you, you can do all things through Christ. who gives you strength. These are the moments where the, the, your feet hit the pavement and you actually run with the truth that God actually says about you, which is why it's so important
1: yes. to have
0: your identity secured in Christ. Absolutely. So go back. Yeah. You process for like four years to be even in the place where you're like, I am willing and I am ready. If motherhood is something that you call me into, I'm ready. And then you got pregnant. Now share from that point forward what that looked like.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I got pregnant. Um, and it's, it's interesting because there's so much like, what ifs, how that processing it's very abstract and then you get pregnant and it's like, Oh, this is very real. Like you start like your whole trajectory of life. You're thinking, you know, where I live and what I do and who I just like, there's all these things, right. Where you're piecing together. So, Got pregnant. I was like, "Oh man, this is it! Like, let's let's do this." You know, little baby. Um, you know, did all the things. The doctor got to the midwife, and then yeah, I went for my first ultrasound. And I remember the technician, like it was a student technician, <laughs> which was interesting. I always think of her mm-hmm. on the other side and how that experience must have been for her, but. Um, and there was no, there's no heartbeat. So
0: yeah,
1: it was, um, an extremely, sorry. Um, it's funny because, um, uh, you, you get to a place where you process it, but whenever I talk about it, it's still, it still makes me cry. It's still very yeah. hurtful, but there was, there was no heartbeat. So, and I was there for an hour there trying different things. Maybe the maybe the machine's not working. Let's try this, this, try this all while, you know, my husband is sitting outside. And I remember just walking out of the room, just um, looking at Alex and just being like, I, I don't think this is, this is it. So we just walked hand in hand out of the hospital. For me, defining moments always happen very tangible ways. So like walking out of the door of that hospital is like a, Mm. um, a new, new moment. Like I can envision myself leaving that hospital. I call, I call it like an uh, earth gives way moment. Like everything, Yeah. like I did all this processing. I said, yes, I said, okay, let's do this. And then I got pregnant and then it was gone. And it was, it was a, life earth shattering moment for me in that moment. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Talk about the moments after that, because I know it didn't just end with the transition out to the parking lot, but that's almost where it began. And um, there was more that God had in store of meeting you in the midst of your loss. And this, like you said, earth shattering carpet pulled out from underneath you can't find your footing certainty is now gone facing Mm -hmm. really what you would most fear once you find out that you're pregnant that there's something wrong with the baby what happened after that point
1: well it's interesting because um they weren't sure like they weren't sure that the baby was for sure gone so i had to do these blood tests And I had to wait like three or four days until I had confirmation in, in whatever way that looked like. And so those four, three, four days were the most, um, intense moments of my life. The most Mm -hmm. I have ever talked to God, the most I have felt the presence of Jesus in my life, but I was hit with this reality that, um, when Sarah's told she can't, or when Sarah's told she's going to have a baby, she laughs. Mm -hmm. And I had a Sarah laughed moment where I was like, God, you can't do anything. You know, if Mm. you're going to give me this baby and then you're going to make this baby die, then who are you? And I was mad. I was angry. I came to this point where I didn't actually believe that eternity broke through into the temporal. And I've never been faced with that reality in my life. I grew up as a Christian pastor's kid, missionary kid, like God is real. Yeah, of course he is. God does miracles. Yeah, of course he does. But when it came to my own life and my own miracles, I was like, no, no. I was like, he doesn't, I now, I don't think he does. Like I was faced with the question. Like God was like, do you believe that I can work through this? And my answer was no, but it didn't stop at no. It was why not? Why, why am I saying no? And so I spent days on my knees. It it's weird. Cause Alex was there obviously through this and people were there and I went to church and da da da. But when I think of those moments, it was like me and God, everything blurs. One of the most powerful moments was when I was on my knees on in my bedroom floor and I literally felt time fold in half. And I sat with Jesus as he sat in the garden and we both suffered Mm -hmm. together. And it was this moment where I realized it's not about what will God do in that moment, it wasn't about why are you doing this or what will happen afterwards? It was that suffering happens and I'm sitting here right here with you. Talk to me. Yeah. I lost the baby in my bathtub and alone, but not alone. Like the presence of God was so with me. And it was another moment where God says, now, when you walk off, through the threshold of this bathroom door, like who, what does mm-hmm. this make you where, where's the trajectory of this? Wow. And so it's kind of like walking out of the hospital door, these four days of intense uh, moments with God and boring. then walking. Yeah. Warring like
0: with God, for your heart. Yes.
1: And walking out of the bathroom door, not with answers, not with a sudden like piece of like oh okay that happened you know but like just a more yeah. tangible um, grasp on what God is in my life and it I still don't know that mm-hmm. but it was like a moment where he just became so real and I've never suffered like that before I have a pretty privileged life you know I I haven't lost very many family yeah. members that are close I haven't been through you know, poverty or like, there's just, I don't have that. And this was a moment where I just was like, it was ultimate suffering for me. And God ultimately showed up. There's one moment specifically with you where we were at the time, like Marco poloing or whatever that thing was back and forth, or like, (laughs) you know, catching each other in ways we could over, you know, voice notes or whatever. And I remember showing up to church kind of the, tr- the the Sunday after it happened, being like, God, like, I just need you to show up in the service, like speak to me directly, like through the pastor, through someone, like, can someone come up and pray for me? Like, a like a wager with God, like, show me your real kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Went into the service, like nothing, literally nothing, not even anything that I could like bend, to be like, oh, like, this means this for me. That's like for me, I, yeah. Yeah, I left and I was like, wow, silence. And I sat in my car and I just like, like sobbed. And I went home and I just like sobbed. And then I got a voice note from you. I think, I don't know if you remember this. And you were like, today's service was on infertility and on loss and on trusting God. And I went up to that podium and I prayed for women and I prayed for you. And I was prayed on behalf Mm -hmm. of you. And it was like in a different country, thousands of thousands of miles away or whatever, like it didn't feel like he showed up, but he so showed up. Wow. God does not operate the way we think he's going to operate, but he certainly operates. He certainly does what he he says he's going to do, you know, and it's about opening your eyes to that. It's that, that's, that's an example of like a real tangible moment of God for me. And I'm still processing it.
0: Well, and that's, I think it's important to say that you're still processing it because too many women that are navigating in the midst of it think, oh, I'm supposed to just get over X, Y, Z when really it does come down to us naming the needs of our heart that need to be met by the grace of God. That's a process of confession, agreeing with the truth that there is a need within your soul that cannot be met within yourself. You can't Mm -hmm. just conjure up your own healing and you can't just, I don't know, personal growth your way into a healing from the loss, like the loss of a child or suffering and the profound truth that you were met with through this whole season and in your whole history of transition and change and another move and another friend and another thing into the real anchoring calling of motherhood to only be met with another transition. What's beautiful about that story is that he met you in that bathtub after delivering your baby with the message, behold, I am with you always. No height, no depth, no angel, no demon, like it says in Romans, Mm -hmm. that could ever separate us from the love of God and Mm -hmm. that time-warping moment of you on your knees crying out before the Father, suffering, Mm -hmm. only to be met by a loving Savior who was also willing to step down from his seat in heaven and put on flesh and suffer with us and pay the price to defeat it and give us the chance to rise up, walk out of that bathroom door and choose, choose the trajectory of freedom because God's spirit empowers us with the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's redemption.
1: Uh, You have to, there are so many ways in that moment where I could have turned away from God and they certainly Mm -hmm. looked very enticing. And very legitimate, like, yeah, no, God, if you're going to put me through all this and then do this, forgetting, you know, and it takes a certain Mm -hmm. amount of, um, like humility and recognizing that I'm, and you say that like as growing up as Christians, it's like, just because I have all these things setting me up and putting me in a good place, it doesn't mean hardship isn't going to come at you and come at you fast. And I think this was, yes. this is what levels us and lets us look at another person in the, in the eyes, no matter who they are, where they've come from, or what ca- capital T trauma mm-hmm. or low-key trauma they have, and it like levels us before the foot of the cross, where it's like, yes. we are all just um, walking through this life and God is asking us to look at him, asking us to hold on yeah. to him whatever that looks like and how, however he does that, but it is a choice. You are put in this place where it's like, you can turn around and walk away or you can dig further and deeper and ask why the doubts that we have aren't feel like an invitation to walk away, but they're actually an invitation to be closer to God. You know, those doubts are, Mm. those doubts are so they're gems. I love doubts now. When I get a doubt in my head, it's like, oh, okay, let's, let's dig into this. You know, let's dig deeper into this. Let's talk to others who've been through the same or, you know, it's those doubts become gems.
0: Yeah. It's that it goes through the refiner's fire and then you pair it with God's wisdom and he, his promise in James that I always hinge myself on. And I say it all the time is that if any of you lacks wisdom, then you can ask God, Yes, Who gives generously and ungrudgingly <laughs> praise yeah. God too, because he like, gives it and generously without a grudge. I mean, how many people could I call up and ask, Could I get your insight on this and that and whatever? And like you, the insight always either comes with a form of payment or a restraint or a cap, mm, but God who knows all things is willing to meet us in the midst of our doubt. And when we run to him with it, rather than running from it, because, Sometimes we can fall into the pattern of, of lies that say that we have to have it all together. I should get pregnant and it should, you know, just to go through the pregnancy example, I should yeah. get pregnant and it should be perfect. And then I'm gonna take all of my this and then I'm gonna do all of that. And then the moment that you experience loss, the initial shame voice is there's something wrong with me. There is something wrong. Yes. And yes. God is making all things right. That's the beauty of living in alignment with the gospel is that he can work and does work all things together for good of those that are called according to his purpose, who love him. Mm -hmm. And and you fall in that category. Then the doubts just are an invitation straight to the arms of the father of like, let's figure it out together. So pregnancy and the loss of a pregnancy and there is a season of grief. And then you got pregnant again. (laughs) Now you have a beautiful, almost one-year-old boy and uh, <laughs> you gave birth to him, I don't know, right in the midst, in the middle, right at the very like beginning a, of a, month a
1: pandemic, later. Yeah, a, world <laughs> a month after lockdown. Emergency was declared on, I remember these dates because they're just so on like March 15th and then he was born April 14th. So,
0: yeah. So what was it like? Here you're, you've lived this whole life of transition and change and God's meeting you with this message of, I am with you. And then you get locked in your house alone for an entire year with a newborn. (laughs) So the testing just keeps going. It just, the layers just keep on digging in deeper and deeper. God's like, we're really going to get this into your bones.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it was already such a pregnancy after loss is already such a journey because um, you feel you feel uncertain about joy like expressing joy about it. it took me a while to tell people yeah. it took me a while to be um, open about it and excited about it and wear the cute pregnancy clothes and stuff because you're just afraid to hold on to it too tightly and yeah. so that was a journey in itself so um, I I just lived through that, whatever that was. And, and then <laughs> a pandemic hit <laughs> and I'm still processing it because we're still very much in it. We're still, you know, working through what this means as a globe and there's still right. repercussions. And it it's hard because this season is hard or this season was hard because there was no, there is no, <laughs> can hear me. still processing out loud end date. So, right. You know, the lockdown hit and I'm 30 weeks pregnant and I think, Oh great. Like a month to just be home and like, get ready for the baby and get ready for the baby. (laughs) And then we go to the hospital. And I think I felt it for the extreme isolation I've felt this year. I felt it for the first time in the hospital we got into our room and we couldn't leave the room. Every, all the nurses were coming to us fully garbed up every, this is right at the beginning. So, you know, we've, we've come to places now where we are finding safe ways to um, interact and all that. But at first it was just like, everyone's afraid of everyone. So you're Mm -hmm. in this hotel, not hotel. It is not a hotel. You're in this hospital (laughs) room and we were just alone you know, FaceTiming our friends and family. And it was, I look back at it now and that was really tough. And then I just walked into like a week by week, day by day process where it's like, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's done next week. Maybe it's done next week. And then Mm -hmm. we hit, my son turns 11 months old. And honestly, it's only in the last month that I've started to be like, I need to stop asking myself what about next week and I have struggled a lot this year with the concept of control it was tough I didn't control anything I didn't control my social life I didn't control um my baby's sleep I didn't control my baby's cries I didn't control my own sleep my schedule like where like I felt so isolated and so stuck and it's been a season of daily surrender, surrender, mm-hmm. give it up, mm-hmm. give it up. You can't, yeah. you can't force your kid to sleep. You can't force your kid to eat. You can't force your kid to not cry. And it's been right. tough. It's been high anxiety, high anger, all while being alone in a sense. Right. <laughs> makes
0: sense. Right. First off, that's a real emotion that you are designed by God to emotionally feel. Passion oh, yeah. translates into anger and anger's trap would you know, be rage and it's uncontrolled and it's unhinged this and it's hurtful and it's rooted in yeah. sin. Yeah. The way that anger leads to a gift is in the passionate change that anger leads us into. Yeah. And when we are experiencing the emotion of anger, just as Jesus did, but fully empowered by the Spirit, then while we're feeling angry and we are angry, we are also experiencing all of the fruit of the Spirit at the same time, mm. rooted in love, experiencing mm-hmm. joy, peace, patience, mm. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control while feeling angry like those two things can all can all happen at the you know same time i can be self-controlled and angry in my parenting you know so sure. tell me in all of this isolation and in all of this just up and down roller coaster of walking with god in the last couple of years how has keeping an internal perspective changed the way that you approach living the next day alone, locked in your house or navigating through the grief of a miscarriage. How does an eternal perspective shift your every day and what it looks like?
1: Well, first of all, it, it's n- not easy. And there are many days where I have not let my eternal perspective run the narrative which has impacted maybe the way I've treated people, mostly my husband, because he's the only one I've seen this year. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah,
0: our poor husbands, uh, gotta love them.
1: (laughs) Gotta love them. Um, Or impacted the way um, my decision-making. But it's interesting because my eternal perspective exists because grace breaks through when the temporal fails. So it's in those moments where, like you said, I get, I feel that like, I'm just going to like lose it. Like I can't do this anymore. Like you feel that temporal start to fail. And it's when you recognize that, that you let like the grace of God just like wash over it. And then eternal becomes the only option, especially when you fail, because I have let the rage bubble over yelled at my husband or I've like left with like unresolved issues and just like taken a long walk, you know, and like though yeah. take a long walk if you need one. Not saying that's not oh
0: I take lots of long walks. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you I think that's where God's grace is so good because it's in those moments where it fails that you recognize that it's so good. You know, and you just have to mm. you have to look back at that moment where where the temporal failed and everything crumbled. And you say to yourself, no God's eternity and God's perspective is way better in this moment. And it's definitely been like trial and error for me in this season. I have trialed and I've erred, and I've trialed and Mm -hmm. God has broken through, but it's again, more like super tangible moments of God. And it's again, another way to sit down with that, friend and look them in the eyes and be like, I get it. You know? Yes. Like you're in this temporal breaking moment and I get it. And then here's how God enters into that. Here's how he breaks through that. And here is how he changes that. And it's another moment where you're faced with that decision. Do you turn away, turn around and walk away? Or do you turn around and walk further into Jesus? But then the grace is if you've turned away and if you've turned around and walked away, you can still definitely turn around and walk into Jesus. So if I'm going to be real, I had like a massive meltdown last, yesterday. I just like, yeah, like Alex made pancakes wrong. And I had a moment. It's <laughs> always <laughs> something I was, small like that. <laughs> right? It's those little things. It's not I'm about like, the pancakes. Okay. And then these pancakes are wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> it was another moment where I like went upstairs, composed myself. And I was like, Erica, why don't you choose right now to you're obviously your feet? I'm feeling trapped because more transitions coming and mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this. And what does my job look like in a pandemic? And what does daycare look like? And is Ellis and all these things. And it was like, whew, stop, pause. Why don't you choose right now? Here's another moment to leave your bedroom door walk downstairs and why don't you try not try why don't you walk into more joy this next season it's been a roller coaster it's never been perfect I've I have certainly been more angry and more anxious in this season than ever but but God but God has been more real and more more here than ever there's so much suffering and there's so much hurt and we're seeing a lot right now. It's being exposed on like massive levels. It's, it's less of like trying to shove this stuff into like a superficial good box. Like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I don't want to say like it makes you stronger. It's no, it's showing you that God has always been stronger and showing you that God has always been good. It's this, this constant that despite the victories or the failures, um, the, the shadows, all of this, God is always stronger. God is always good, you know? And that's the freeing moment in these suffering moments. He sits with you, you know, he suffered with you. He suffers with you. Like now when I sit across someone that is like, man, I'm suffering. It's not, oh, this will make you better or this, don't worry mm. about it. It's can I show you and tell you that despite this deep, dark, dark pain right now, God is good. God is stronger. Yeah.
0: You show them through being there.
1: Absolutely. Not fixing it. I think we had a conversation where, where you were just like, meltdown, Erica. Like I was like, I feel like I'm going to break. I feel like I'm going to fall apart. And you were just like, okay do it (laughs) go for it (laughs) you know do it like don't hold yourself together don't try to fit yourself back in the good box or what you used to be or how it used to feel push in ask questions dig deeper you know he's so tangibly there like it's so much more than just this floofy uh i believe in jesus you know there it's so real it's so tangible and i think those transitions and surrender transition death life transition surrender Instead of hiding from those things or pushing them away, I've learned that God just shows Himself so so real through those things.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm going to close with some closer questions that are just for fun. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Ready. What is your favorite Bible verse and why?
1: Uh, Favorite favorite Bible verse. I mentioned it really briefly is Psalms 46, one to three, where it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Um, Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Like so good. Mm. I love it. It's just like, God's present, God is real, pain is real, but God is, God is real. <laughs> That's my
0: favorite Pain person. is real, God is real, God is with me.
1: Yes. Name one
0: item on your bathroom counter that you never leave the house without using.
1: <laughs> Hair tie and the occasional dry <laughs> shampoo is very necessary.
0: If you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only eat one thing forever, what would it be?
1: I want to say pasta sorry do you guys say pasta pasta
0: that's so <laughs> canadian of you i'd say pasta
1: yeah like a pasta dinner you know like a good red sauce meatballs garlic yes. bread okay yeah. three
0: songs that always make your road trip playlist
1: i love john foreman switch foot but i am still running by john foreman yeah. good chill Ooh, good I good little chill song. Yeah. And then uh, Maggie Rogers. I love her together by Maggie Rogers. There's this new, I mean, she's not new, but she's new to me. Her name's Kirby and she just got some cool stuff. I love her music and she's got a song called Kool-Aid. That's just a great (laughs) Kool-Aid. Okay. Finish
0: this sentence. I feel most myself when I am.
1: When I'm drinking a great cup of coffee and chatting with a friend, preferably ice coffee and a friend. Yeah. Ooh,
0: iced. See, I can't agree yeah. with that. I gotta have oh. my coffee hot.
1: No. Nah. Doesn't I, matter
0: how hot it is outside. It's still gotta be hot. Oh. <laughs> uh,
1: it doesn't matter how cold it is outside. It's still gotta be iced.
0: <laughs> Last yeah. question. In one word, describe yourself when you are fully living in God's will for eternity and until.
1: Real. Just real. I love it.
0: Thank you, Erica. So much. I love you so much. We're going to get that cup of coffee and sit across from each other one of these days soon in real life and not over the internet, but thank you for showing up and sharing your story so bravely. We're all better for it.
1: Thank you. This has been so awesome. Hey, thanks so much for
0: listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.